really, really excited for, for this morning. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Because this one is probably one of the best encouragers that I know. And one of the beautiful things that you do, Ray, is that you catch God's heart for us and you speak it so clearly to us. And you've, you've done that in my life plenty of times. And so let, let's be really expectant this morning. It's going to be wonderful. Okay? No pressure. Mate. Give me five. Keep trusting. <laughs> so I'm okay yeah. to pray for you? Yeah. Okay. Father, we thank you that, that this, is, this is all about you. And it's all about your son, Jesus. And it's all done in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, God, that you love us so much. That you've sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. That you've adopted us into your family. And that you now use us, that you co-partner with us in the work of your kingdom. And I thank you for, for Ray. Thank you for her sacrifice and service. Thank you for, for the love and encouragement that she gives to us. And I pray that, that this morning she would know how much she is loved by us as her church family and how much she is loved by you. And as she stands here this morning, she would know your presence and that your words would speak clearly through her. So, Father, we pray that you would anoint Ray in the power of the Holy Spirit and anoint us to hear your word and to be transformed by it. In Jesus' name, amen. Morning. So, um, I found preparing this ridiculously painful. Like, I'm not going to lie. It seriously put me through my paces this week. Um, I found it challenging. on a deep personal level um, and in all honesty I think I texted Elijah about Wednesday and was like Dear, I'm, I'm the wrong girl for this I, uh, I don't think I should do this talk maybe we should find somebody else to do it uh, sadly it's the summer <laughs> there's not many stand-ins um, so, so think of this if you will as the difficult second album, that's how I've approached today um, uh, but I persisted, and, um, and I actually listened to the talk that I did a while ago um, to see what God had done in Esther's life, and I was confronted rudely by my own words, which was, I think that it will begin with giving God your will, your yes, and being the best version of yourself through his grace. Through his grace. So... Um, this morning I stand in his grace and I pray that the words that you hear are his words I also pray when you look at me and you hear my words that you do not see a hypocrite but you see somebody who has not got it all together and is desperately seeking God I also hope that God uses what he's taught me this week to draw your heart closer to him there's a really weird echo sorry Josh um, it could just be me. Um, okay, so let us begin. If you'd like to join uh, in reading Galatians 5. Um, freedom in Christ. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of slavery. Mark my words. Paul, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised... Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who let himself be circumcised that he is obliged to obey the whole law. 
You who are trying to justify, be justified by the law have alienated yourself from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. For through the Spirit we eagerly await the faith of righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcised or uncircumcised has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. You are running a good race. Who cut, it, who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? That kind of persecution does not come from the one who calls you. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. I am confident in the Lord that you will take no other view. The one who is throwing you into confusion, whoever that may be, will, have, will pay the penalty. Brothers and sisters, if I am still preaching cir- circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the, the offense of the cross has been abolished. As for the aggregators, I think, I wish they would go away, uh, go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Life by the Spirit. You, brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fully in keeping this one command. Love thy neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour one another, watch out and you will destroy each other. So, I say, walk by faith, uh, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another, so that you do not, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious: sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. Fits of rage, selfish ambition, I don't know how to say that word, um, fraction and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. But the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Against such things, there are no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. So I'm going to try and simply talk through what I've learned um, and how I think we can apply it to our lives this morning. Um, For me, this passage is split. Hello. For me, this passage is split into two parts. The first part is about how we can live as a captive but claim to be free. And the second part is how we can truly live to be free. In order to get the most out of today, I think we need to reframe what we think of as freedom. And I think we need to clarify what God means by freedom. And finally, I think we need to look at how we can live in that freedom with a delicate balance between faith and grace. So, that's where we're heading. 
Before I do, I'm going to try, this might totally backfire, by the way, uh, and get a consensus in the room. So if I was to say freedom in Christ to you, what are the first things that you would think of? Can somebody shout some of them out? And I'm really hoping that one of them is what I've got on my piece of paper. Pardon? Peace, okay. Love, yeah, that's good. Righteousness, so they're all fruits of the Spirit, but what is God actually freeing us from? Sin. Okay, so, um, see, could have gone completely wrong. But um, freedom in Christ, um, most of us kind of, that was my starting point from today. I'm not going to lie. Um, does anybody want to have a stab at what the actual dictionary definition of freedom is? No? Okay, so it is the power or the right to act, to speak, or to think. Freedom. Or the state of not being imprisoned or enslaved. Can you raise your hand if you're free today? And I'm really hoping that from a dictionary definition, all of us are sat here free today. See, you are alive. Um, Okay, so... This is where the reframing starts, and it's quite a painful, uncomfortable one, or at least that's how I found it. You don't have to raise your hands to this, which is really good. Um, But I am going to ask you a few questions. Who here is in debt, be it a pound or a lot more, be it a student loan or a mortgage? Shows indifference, knows what it is to despair, can be mean, unkind, or brutal with your words. Who has experienced loss of control, lacks discipline, is impatient, lacks commitment, who is worried, who is fearful, who is stressed, and who is guilty about everything and anything? I am all of those things. And I say that to you today, not with pride. Far from it. That's one of the reasons why I didn't want to do this today. Um, But to be honest, I wanted to be real and show you that if you are any of those things, I am all of those things, so you are not alone. And I really hope that while you answered in the quiet of your hearts, I'm not alone either. (laughs) Um, By the world's standards, we are free. But God has intended us to be free, truly free, and that is so much more. Danny Silk suggests in his book, Loving Your Kids on Purpose, that freedom is the most important thing to God. And that is because without him, relationship is not possible. Silk puts it beautifully, without the freedom to reject him, we are powerless to choose him. Freedom was God's idea. The more I read about this passage and the more I prayed about today, the more I thought about choice and the idea of putting on freedom, choosing his fruits of the Spirit to equip us. Freedom is not about us. It's not about what we do. It's all about Jesus. It's the grace feeding into faith and faith giving us the gift of grace that allows us to draw and live in freedom. John Stott, in the Message of Galatians, notes, it is not freedom from sin, but it is in fact freedom from law. Paul focuses on this in verses 1 to 15. When he speaks about circumcision, 
He's actually just commenting on the trendy law at the time. It could be anything. Stott and Paul both believe that in order to experience the fullness of freedom in Christ, we must engage fully with God's grace. I would also like to take a moment to read seven, verses 7 and 8 again. You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persecution does not come from the one who calls you. What a brilliant question. Who cuts in on you to stop you from obeying the truth? It's not the law that Paul's asking you about. He's asking about the truth. Tim Keller in the book of Galatians, in his book, Galatians View, can I just say, best £10 ever. I'm not on commission, but seriously, if you want to really dig into what we've been learning today privately, like this book will hurt you in so many great ways. It's just, it's incredible. So um, I digress. Um, Tim Keller says, despite the divine source, our freedom is fragile and can slip from our grips. God gave us free will. And that means that we can fail. And when we make bad choices, God's got it covered. But that does not mean that we take the responsibility of our freedom lightly. In verse 13, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. However, by knowing that God, knowing that freedom was God's idea, it puts the power and authority of that freedom back where it belongs, at the foot of the cross, with Jesus. Sadly, and in truth, I know that it is, it is true for me, I sometimes believe that sin has more power than it actually does. But that's not true. It's not biblical, and it's certainly not where God wants us to live. Keller puts it more eloquently than I ever could. He says, we cannot lose our salvation, but we can lose our freedom from enslavement of fear. We were made to be free, to love and to have self-control. God is not scared of our freedom, so therefore we shouldn't be scared of our freedom either. Rather, I would encourage us to mindfully choose our freedom daily. John Piper challenges our thinking by highlighting, your enjoyment of freedom is much more important to God than many of your day-to-day decisions that fill us with so much concern. Now that really hurt me this week. Test it for a moment. If you want to raise your hand, you can, or just answer in your heart. But who has ever prayed about what course they should take at university or what their future partner would be like, or a job, or a house, or money, or whether they should have children, or how, in my case, how to raise said children. How many people have consumed their prayer life with those things? How many of us in the last day, week, or year have prayerfully sought after God's opinion about our pursuit and enjoyment of freedom in Christ. Are you beginning to see why it was a painful week? Never, never before have I thought about my freedom in Christ so seriously. But let me read you a few things that Paul says throughout his books. For it is freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then. 
Do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. In 1 Corinthians 16, 13, Paul goes on to say, Be on your guard, stand firm. In the faith, uh, in the faith be men of courage, be strong. In Philippians 1, 27, he says, Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whenever I come and I see you, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man of faith, for the gospel. He says in chapter 4 of Philippians, verse 1, Therefore, my brothers and sisters, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Paul is passionate about standing firm. In reading, in the reading that I've done over the last few weeks, I feel like I've got a real sense of his urgency, and it's like he's preparing us for battle. He's calling us to be alert, to be strong, to resist attack, and to stick together. Which leads me to the, the one line in the whole passage that made me fully understand Paul's passion and repetition. Christ will be of no value to you at all. Like, that line right there, that winded me this week. Like, physically winded me. Why would my God, who is mighty to save, Christ, who died for me, be of no value to me? If we choose to live by law, we are choosing to keep ourselves captive, to make ourselves captive. We are rejecting his grace, we are rejecting his freedom, and we are limiting our lives. I'm panicking. God has already freed us. Sin is nothing to us. But we have to daily choose to be free. We have to daily accept to live in his grace. Piper states, this is the will of God for you, your freedom. Freedom is God's idea. So hopefully hopefully I've started to reframe what freedom looks like. And I've clarified what God's view on freedom is. How can we live in freedom? With the delicate balance between faith and grace, I think. Understanding grace and faith is going to be key for this. And Paul touches upon its significance in 4 and 5. Verses 4 and 5, sorry. You you who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But But by faith we are eagerly awaiting the righteousness for which we hope. Hope. It's such a wishy-washy word in English, isn't it? But I'm assured by Stott and Keller this week that in in the Greek the word is actually confident. It's definite. So I've started reading hope as, it will be, and amen. There's an authority in that. In Hebrews 11, it reminds us, now faith is, com- faith is confidence in what we hope and assurance in what we do not see. Faith allows us to live in grace. Grace then leads us to freedom in Christ. Allow me to read Romans 3. 20 to 24. 
it says, Therefore, no one, no one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we became conscious of our sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ, who all believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. The pursuit of freedom is going to be a journey that all of you, all of us, are going to have to go on. And it's going to take time to learn what that freedom looks like, living it out in you. I believe that the second half of this chapter, though, is actually how to equip us. God hasn't left us on our own. He's giving us tools. He's teaching us how to walk in his grace and walk in his freedom. This week, this is an honest moment, I, uh, I asked Philly to go upstairs, take his clothes off and put them in the washing basket while I got drinks ready for bed. I got to the bottom of the stairs and joyfully shouted, I really hope you're taking your clothes off. And then I walked into the room, said, <clears throat> did you not hear me or are you just ignoring me? Take your clothes off. In my head, I then ranted quite loudly about how I'm very tired and I just want him to do what I said. In the stillness, however, of him doing nothing, like nothing, a little question rose to the top of my heart. Do I say because I said so, or do I help you? It's been a very painful week. I climbed on the floor and said, Are you tired? Do you need me to help? God longs to help us. There is a delicate balance between faith and grace that comes from living in God's freedom. Faith to know that when Jesus died on the cross, it was finished. We were free and grace, and we were given, being given the grace to live in that space. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Freedom was God's idea. I've come to also be challenged this week to find out how God sees me now that sin is taken away. And I think that's really important for us to do. It says in Zephaniah, I can't even say it, Zephaniah 3, verse 17, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. We don't have to be scared of our freedom. By God's love and grace washing over us, it allows us to actively engage in faith, which allows us to live out 
in freedom of Christ. I've always been quite literal with this idea of the fruits of the Spirit and genuinely thought that they would appear much like they do on a tree. Um, and I've always really struggled with the fruits of the Spirit because while I can see them in other people flourishing and looking gorgeous, I do not see them in myself. At all. Um, and so, quite honestly, this is not false modesty. This is just a fact. Like, I, I genuinely, when I re-looked at them today, um, this week, I was like, I found myself seriously lacking. Seriously. Another text message to Elijah. I can't do this. Um, I, wish, I wish I was lying, but that's actually true. <laughs> the poor man has had a lot of text messages this week. Um, <clears throat> I found it so hard getting my head around talking to you and not coming across as a hypocrite. Like, that was my, that was my bugbear. But I believe that God reframed the list for me. And I began to look at what the words meant. Like, I actually looked at the dictionary definition of them all. And, um, and then I looked at what the opposite was. And it allowed me to look at each of them and... Yeah, it just really helps. So I'm going to try and do the same for you, okay? So, love, joy, peace, patience. Let me clarify that. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed or anxious. <clears throat> Kindness, the quality of being friendly, generous, considerate, goodness, faithfulness, which is loyalty, consistency, devotion, trueness, true-heartedness, dedication, commitment, gentleness, and self-control. Now, those words might sit awkwardly on you, but really listen to what the opposite would be. Indifference or hate, misery, despair, conflict, irritation, impatience, unkindness, meanness, wickedness, unfaithfulness, inaccuracy, brutality, loss of control, indiscipline. You see, I was looking at the fruits of the Spirit through the lens of law and not grace. Once I looked at the list with a new lens, I saw that my character is filled far more with the fruits of his Spirit than the, op- than the opposite. But more than that, I found that I was free to live in a beautiful space where I, I could be wrong. That I didn't have to be afraid that I wasn't all of those things yet. That I can choose to live a life where the fruits of the Spirit are my tool set and I can actively engage in the freedom of Christ. So I guess the last bit is the how. How do we actively live in the freedom of Christ? Now, I do not claim to be an authority on this, and you may have picked up that this has really hurt me this week and challenged me. But I think that not dissimilar to the message of Esther, it begins with submitting and giving God our will. I think from there we start to create healthy rhythms. These are not rules. 
They are not targets to try and meet. They are choices that you keep choosing to keep you whole and healthy in mind, body and soul. So I challenged myself to look at how I could realistically pursue freedom in a healthy and authentic way rather than creating more laws that would keep me locked up. I do like a good list, especially ones that have ridiculous targets that I'm never going to meet. So I really challenged myself this week to not do that. Instead, I came up with five things that I need. The first is, I need time with God to meditate on his word and his truth, to daily remind myself of who he is and who whose I am. I need time with my husband to talk, to share my heart and my soul, time to reflect and to reaffirm that what we have is special and it's different to every other relationship that I have. Time with my boy, intentional time. Time with my community, people who I am able to be real and honest with, who reflect Jesus and challenge me and inspire me through love, not law. And I need to protect my, myself. I need to feed my body with things that will bring me wellness. I need to strengthen my body to protect it from illness. And I need to create. What five things do you need to protect your mind, body and soul and fully engage in the freedom of Christ? It is a daily choice to put the, spirit, the fruits of the Spirit on. But by doing so, I believe that Paul is teaching us how to equip ourselves to live in the freedom of Christ. Freedom was God's idea. No matter what you choose to do with it, there are no hidden strings. There is only freedom. But you are not alone. It says in Revelations 1, 4-6, Grace and peace to you from him who is, who was, and who will come. For the seven spirits before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is faith, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, the ruler of the king of the earth. To him who loves us, who has freed us from the sins by his blood, he has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God, the Father. To him be the glory, the power, forever and ever. Amen. I do not know if any of this has been relevant to you today. Maybe I'm just totally late to the party. I was talking to my mum this week. She's miles ahead of me. If you have already known the depths of freedom that God has for you, then can I just ask you to make it your life's work to live it out and call out of the people around you? But if you're like me and you're selling yourself too short, or if you're not a Christian and freedom sounds like it's something you might need this morning. I would like to just invite you to stand. Close your eyes, and I'm just going to pray while Joe and the band come back. So Father God, I just I thank you so much that freedom is your idea. 
I thank you that you haven't just left it there, Lord, but you've just given us tools to equip us, to lead us through faith and grace, Lord Jesus. And I just thank you that you are mighty to save us. Father, I just pray for the worship time, Lord. I pray that you would, that you would come and fill this space, Lord. Fill our hearts. Wash over us and you, Lord Jesus, with your freedom, your truth, and your grace, Father God. And I pray that you would call us to be everything that you have asked us to be, Lord, that you've made us to be. Father God, I thank you that it is not about us, but it's all about you. In your name. Amen.